0: You've been listening to the weekly sermon from the Vine Church in Madison, Wisconsin, a spirit-filled family that makes disciples and plants churches among neighbors and nations through declaration and demonstration. For more information and service times, check out our website at www.TheVineMadison.org.
1: If you have a Bible, why don't you open it up to Matthew chapter 14. That's where we will be this morning. And uh, starting in verse 13. So Matthew 14, starting in verse 13. So right off, off the bat, I want to remind us what our big aim is in preaching week to week. And there's a lot of different big aims, goals, targets we're shooting at. But one of the main ones is just simply this, we want you to see Jesus. We want you to see Jesus. Know Jesus, remember Jesus. Um, So we're gonna do that this morning to the the best of our ability. And what I want us to see this morning is this. We're going to see Jesus as our compassionate provider. We're going to see Jesus this morning as our compassionate provider this is who Jesus is and so I want you to bookmark that in your mind right now Jesus is our compassionate provider and as we walk through this text I think we're going to be encouraged by word and spirit to love Jesus more to trust him more to be thankful more and rest in his care by the power of the Holy Spirit so I'm going to ask Kim to come now and read our text Matthew 14,
0: starting in verse 13. Okay, read along with me. Matthew fourteen thirteen through 20. 21. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We only have five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces left over, and those who ate were about five thousand men besides women and children. This is the reading of God's word.
1: So let's look at verse 13. It says, now when Jesus heard this. So the question is, heard what? What did he hear? Well, look back at verse 1 and verse 2 of chapter 14. And it says, at that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus. And he said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. He's been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous signs are at work in him. So the key phrase here is Herod had heard about the fame of Jesus, that Jesus was getting famous. And so what does Jesus do when he heard that Herod had heard about his fame? Well, let's look back at verse 13. Says that he withdrew. He withdrew in a boat to a desolate place by himself. So this is key in keeping with a theme that we see in Jesus's life in the gospel. He doesn't want to draw attention to himself. You remember in the book of Matthew when he heals someone, someone oftentimes he says, don't tell anybody about this. He's not looking to, 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 to become a social media popular, you know, like so many in our day and age. He's not looking to draw a crowd unnecessarily. He's not looking for people to maybe try and make him king by force. He knew that people didn't understand him yet. It wasn't his time yet. He's not looking to stir up trouble either until the appointed time. He's not trying to capitalize on on the attention of a famous politician like Herod. So Jesus knew that Herod was not a trustworthy person. And so he's like, I don't want any part of this. I don't want any attention from Herod right now. That's not why I came, right? So he retreats. He's not looking to stir up trouble. He retreats from the limelight. He doesn't walk headfirst into that attention. He walks away from the attention until it's necessary. See, he could have picked a fight with Herod, right? And probably would have been famous for it. But he does the opposite. Like it says here, it says he retreats. He didn't come to pick fights. He came to do the will of his father. And that might include conflict at times, but only according to the will of the father. So I want to highlight one other thing about this retreat of Jesus that we read about here. I was recently on my own little retreat day. I try to do that once a month where I escape um, and turn the phone off and and just have alone time with the Bible. And um, I was reading uh, just the book of Luke, just reading a large section of scripture. And I was reading the first nine chapters. And I think I was thinking about this because of this text this morning. But I noticed in Luke, in the first nine chapters, four times he records that Jesus did something like this, where he retreated to desolate places, the Bible says, to pray and to be alone with his father. And so I think for us, since Jesus was fully God, but also fully human, like many humans, when we're bearing a heavy emotional weight or or just simply living life, let alone being the son of god sent to enact the plan of redemption there's a time when you're going to need space like it's kind of like when you hear um a family that has endured maybe a significant death in their family and you hear people say oftentimes uh, the family would appreciate if you would respect their privacy at this time because why why, why are they asking for privacy at this time because it's such a heavy emotional weight and i think that's kind of what jesus is doing here he needed privacy to process emotions to pray to his father to to be rejuvenated verse 13 now when jesus heard this he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself i think about our lives today and there's just so much noise in our world today and I think a majority honestly a majority of it comes from our phones and I I feel like this this could seem like an overstatement but I really don't think it is I I truly believe that one of the front lines of discipleship for this generation and those that come after us is how are we going to manage technology I think that's a front line of discipleship in our lifetime. Like, do we ever take a retreat from our phones? Is that even possible? Like, quiet all the noise, all the information coming at us all the time over and over and over again, all the bad news over and over again. Like, where do we find quiet, like true quiet? to be alone with our Father. Not the endless crisis of the day, not all the bad news of the day, but just simply being quiet with the promises of God revealed in his word, enacted by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. These timeless truths that are not fleeting. I was recently on vacation, as many of you know, and I got to take my boys um, on an annual father-son trip and we were in Colorado, out in the middle of nowhere, up about 10,000 feet, beautiful, Um, no cell service. And I was without my phone for five days. I can't remember the last time that that happened. And I remember just feeling this tangible feeling of, I think I would just describe it as like light, being lighter, like lightness, like um, happier and lighter. I'm not sure how else to describe it. But, and I don't know if there's a one-to-one connection necessarily, but I think there is something to it. I think there really is. And I dare you to try it. I dare you to try it. Kids in the room, I dare you to try it. Moms in the room, I dare you to try it. And let me let me give one other angle on it. It's not just that we turn off the phone. It's like in Ephesians 4, Paul talks about putting off and then putting on. It's not just that we take off the the clothing of unrighteousness, but Paul calls us to put on the clothing of righteousness. So it's not just that we turn off the phone, but in in that space that is now open, what are we filling it with? Well, maybe we take a cue from Jesus here in our text. We fill it with intentional time with our Father intentional time with his revealed word. So I just challenge us to to think about what Jesus is doing here. Let me say it again. If if the son of God needed time alone with his father in light of all the demands on him, how much more would we need that? And I just wonder if some of us, myself very much included, um, are experiencing not everything that's possible. We're not experiencing everything that's possible in terms of our keeping in step with the spirit because it's just all the distraction, all the noise. And that's the challenge because it doesn't feel like some gross sin issue. But I just wonder if there's something here for us to really consider. Retreating to a desolate place. Retreating for, uh, to a desolate place. And let me let me say this too. So many young parents in our congregation, and that might feel like a real challenge. So we want to acknowledge that. Um, we're not here to heap up guilt if you're like, there's no chance that I could retreat to a desolate place for you know for a whole day or something or all night. Like I'm just trying to get five minutes of sanity, right? Um, but I just, you know, there's freedom here. I just want to encourage you maybe to think intentionally about it. Um, maybe there's a a spouse, you know, you can work together with your spouse or a babysitter. Um, some of you have the means to just finance something like this. You just hire a babysitter and it's worth the investment, uh, to be alone for a few hours. Um, there's creative ways that we can help each other in our church. I'm just asking for intentionality because it seems like Jesus was very intentional here, um, and made it a priority. So, Let's not miss that. It's not the main point of the text, but I think it's really important for us to see what Jesus is doing this morning. Um, But here's the problem. I'm not sure if I would say it's a problem, but maybe a challenge for Jesus that we see in the text. People didn't want to respect his need for privacy. People didn't want to respect that. And this is where we're going to see the character of Jesus really shine in this text He is our compassionate provider. So let's take a look. Second half of verse 13 here. But when the crowds heard it, heard what? Well, that he was in their region. They followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion on them and healed their sick. So for Jesus, there's a time to be alone, and there's a time to be with the crowds. And I just wonder, as as, you you kind of place yourself imaginatively in the text, was this hard for Jesus? Did he want more alone time? Was this perfectly okay for him? We don't know. But here's something we do know that is very clear in the text. It says, look at it in verse 14, Jesus had compassion on the crowds. Now, I want us to pause and meditate on this real quick. We know in the Gospels, when, when one of the Gospel writers talks about the crowds, the crowds are usually very, very fickle. They oftentimes don't have pure motives towards Jesus. You can see a perfect example of this in uh, John, chapter, John chapter 6. They haven't pledged allegiance to Jesus in any way. They haven't agreed to take up their cross and follow him. But they're very interested in him. And Jesus is probably worn out. And he knows that the crowds are fickle. And yet, it says that he has compassion on them. I just want to stop and remind us that this is the character of Jesus. He is one who has compassion. I think so many of us, and and myself very much included, struggle in this belief that, is God really compassionate? Is God really compassionate towards me? I think for me, as I reflect on my Christian life, oftentimes what I find is that my default setting, and I don't even know why this is, But I find that oftentimes my default setting is that God is waiting for me to screw up and he's disappointed in me and he might just kind of knock me around a little bit in light of my sin, whack me over the head. I don't know where I picked that up, but I find that it's there. But I just want to make sure we don't miss this in the text this morning. Matthew wanted this first audience that was reading this for the first time 2,000 years ago and us to see the compassion of Jesus. He highlights it here. Don't gloss over it. Don't miss it. This is the character of God. It's huge. If Jesus is not compassionate towards sinners, we're all sunk, right? But take heart this morning. Jesus is compassionate towards those who are needy. And sometimes they don't even know that they're needy. They haven't even admitted it yet. And he's still willing to be compassionate you got to think that this this crowd was a mixed bag. And yet, Jesus is said to have compassion on them. They have nothing to offer him. Nothing. We're going to see that in a second. They have nothing to offer him, and yet he has compassion on them. It says he heals their sick. Are you feeling sick today? Physically sick? Jesus can heal you by the power of the Holy Spirit, either right now or in eternity. It's just a matter of time. Sick and tired of COVID-19. Yes? Yep. Sick with worry and anxiety. Sick with guilt or shame. Sick with weariness. Just take heart that Jesus is not unaware of this. Our God is a God of compassion. So I want you to see that in the text this morning and rejoice. Don't believe the lie that Jesus is out to get you. Even in the midst of severe struggle, he's not out to get you. God is a God of compassion. And if this were not true, he never would have gone to the cross for you and for me. Look at verse 14. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. And he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Let's keep reading. And we're going to see this compassion go a step further. Verse 15. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him. So when it was evening, that makes it sound like he'd been there a while. Right? This compassion takes time. It's output. Selflessness. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have only... Five loaves here and two fish. This really struck me this week, their response. And I and I fixated on the word only. They say we have only, we only, we only, like they're focused on their limitations. While the God of the universe is standing in their midst. So isn't that bizarre? And I mean this is this is just and, you know, we can't look back and judge them like we would be any different um, if we were the disciples. But it is very interesting. And it's clear that they didn't have it all pieced together. And even after Jesus was resurrected, they didn't have it all pieced together um, all the time. But I just find it interesting that in light of what they'd already seen, they're still focused on their limitations and they're not focused on who is with them. We only have five loaves and two fish and Jesus is right here. But see, they forgot that. The presence of God is with them, but they're focused on their lack and their limitations. So Jesus wants to expand their faith, right? Jesus wants them to forget about what they don't have, and see who they do have. Let me say that again. Jesus wants them to forget about what they don't have and see who they do have. See, this is how we can see ourselves in the disciples. We want to focus on the lack and forget who has promised the who, who promised to be with us. In the in the midst of whatever perceived sense of lack. The presence of God, the presence of Jesus is everything. Like this is just a huge theme. From cover to cover of the Bible, Moses, he's like, God, I am lacking the ability to speak. And God just says, I will be with you, right? Jeremiah, he gets a call from God to to go preach to these people. And God tells him they're not going to listen to you. How would you like that for a ministry calling, right? Just so you know, here's what I want you to do. And it's not going to be effective at all. And in fact, they're going to beat you up and abuse you. But what does he say to Jeremiah? Chapter one, I will be with you. And Jesus says the same thing to us at the end of the book of Matthew that we'll see in a in a few months. Go and make disciples. Well, who can do that? Can you manufacture disciples? Can you just make them? I I can't. You know, we've been at this church thing for a while. Like, I cannot, I promise you, I cannot manufacture anybody following Jesus faithfully. But what does Jesus say? He says, I will be with you right on the heels of that command to make disciples. I will be with you. My presence will be with you. So the disciples here, they're focused on what they don't have and they forget what they do have. They're focused on fish and loaves while Jesus is standing right there. The presence of God in their midst. So for us, we don't have Jesus physically like they did. But when you read your Bible and see the history of the church, starting in the book of Acts, you remember the giving and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. This is the presence of Jesus for us, given 2,000 years ago and enabling believers ever since. So we still have the presence of God, just in a different way, in us. I have been crucified with Christ, Paul says. It's no longer I that live, but Christ, by the Holy Spirit, lives in me, filling me, empowering me. So there's no lack the disciples then or disciples now when God is present and he is present with us right now by the power of the Holy Spirit working through his word and so I think that's what the disciples forgot here and he wants to demonstrate for them who he is so they don't ever forget if God is with me I've got enough if the presence of God is with me I've got enough Moses learned it Jeremiah learned it disciples learned it I am here, Jesus says, and there's no lack when I am here. Five loaves and two fish, without me, we all starve, right? Five loaves and two fish with me, Jesus says, and we all feast. Let's take a look. Look at verse 18. And he said, bring them here to me, the the five loaves and two fish. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said, a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over, and those who ate were about 5000 men besides women and children. So what does an original audience reading this for the first time and us, what, what, do, what do we learn? What does Matthew want his original audience to see? Why did he put this down that so much uh, with so much importance that we're reading it now, 2,000 years later? Well, I think he wanted us to see, original audience and us, Jesus is the character of Jesus. He is a compassionate provider. And in his presence, there is an abundance of provision even when we fail to remember that God himself is with us. Again, like I said, from cover to cover of the Bible, the presence of God is everything for God's people. So let, let, me, let me close with a final reminder that I think comes from the text. In the presence of God as our compassionate provider, there is satisfaction. There's satisfaction. Look at verse 20. And they all ate and we're satisfied. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus as our compassionate provider is with us. And when we turn to him in faith, no matter our perceived sense of lack, there will be satisfaction. It's just a matter of time, right? We say, but God, I might lose my job because of COVID-19. That's a real concern. Jesus, as our compassionate provider, is with us. And when we turn to him in faith, no matter our perceived sense of lack, there will be satisfaction. It's just a matter of time. Hold on in faith and don't forget who's with you. But God, I'm so lonely right now because of COVID-19. Jesus, as our compassionate provider, is with us. And when we turn to him in faith, no matter our perceived sense of lack, there will be satisfaction. It's just a matter of time. So hold on in faith and don't forget who's with you. But God, I'm so, I'm so stressed right now because of these hard COVID decisions to make. Jesus as our compassionate provider is with us. When we turn to him in faith, no matter our perceived sense of lack, there will be satisfaction. It's just a matter of time. So we hold on in faith. And don't forget who is with us. So let's return where we started. We saw that Jesus had to be alone with his father. There's power here in that dependence, right? And then we see the power of God overflow to people, believers and unbelievers alike, crowds that are fickle, who experience the compassionate, restorative, provision of jesus here he's so merciful and in healing and miracles of food the disciples then and now learn that that god is present among his people and we have to focus on him and not our lack because of the cross where jesus laid down his life for sinners and the empty tomb where he's raised from the dead to prove it all true and to prove that he's overcome the penalty of death and the giving of his Holy Spirit, we know that God is with us as our compassionate provider. That is his character. It's never failing, never changing, immutable. So as a church, by family, I want to I call us to not worry about what we don't have, but focus on who we do have. In this and only this there will be lasting satisfaction. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the reminders that that it is. We thank you for the fact that you promise to never leave us or forsake us, to sustain us. Father, we thank you that you are our compassionate provider. We thank you that your word gives us an anchor, gives us a rock to build our house upon. Lord, I pray that there would be ears to hear uh, this morning, that there would be ears to hear words that are put into action. Lord, help us to be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. So Lord, would you enable our vision this morning to see who you are from your word And that we would trust that and apply it to our hearts uh, for your glory and our joy. In Jesus' name, amen.